Forgotten Flicks, episode 121, Police Academy, 1984. All right, come at me with an imaginary knife. Do I have to? Yes, you do. I'm not joking. Come on. Come on. No! Okay, that's how it's done. Who's next? That's me! I love it! I love it! Proctor? Oh, that's right. He wasn't in this movie. Welcome to Forgotten Flicks. I am Joel, <laughs> and I'm joined, as always, by that Lieutenant Harris wannabe himself. <laughs> I'm sure I will not overplay that one tonight. Jason. Are you sure you didn't tell anybody about that ass of the horse kind of incident? You, you kept that to yourself, I kept right? it to myself. Uh, here's your new hat, sir. <laughs> yes, of course, we are talking about Police Academy. And our our last run here, we're covering all the truly forgotten classics. <laughs> I, I'm going to say this one. This one has a tent of forgottenness. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think so. I think just because there were so many of them. And it is a movie that even if people have never seen it, I think they would... If you said Police Academy, they would at least be aware of it. Yeah, um, unlike a Karate Kid. Unlike a Karate Kid. Right. That's yeah. that's just completely forgotten. True, true, true. <laughs> yeah, so if, if, if you are new to the show, we talk about movies, good or bad, that you grew up with. We do try to be positive, as positive as we can be, mm-hmm. depending on the situation. Mm-hmm. And we both acknowledge that a lot of these movies we haven't seen in years and years. When was the last time you saw Police Academy? Um, was there an, I'm gonna call was there it an 80? Was there an 80 at the beginning of the decade? I'm gonna call it maybe 10 or 15. Okay, yeah, I wasn't, I've seen all of them except for Mission to Moscow. I'm almost positive I didn't see that one. Okay, I've seen all of them, and for some reason, I had it in my head except for this one. But I think it's because this one I saw so much later. Because after watching, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember all this crap <laughs> so okay. in some cases, literally. <laughs> and it, it, but for some reason, I think because two, I know two was the first one I saw. Four was the first one I saw at the theater. And I saw five and after doing a little research, I saw five and six at the theater. City Under Siege and Simon Miami Beach. Opposite flip the order there. And I saw all three of those. I didn't see Mission to Moscow because by that time, you know, I was a senior in high school and I had some kind of standard. <laughs> right. So the guy who went to see Leprechaun opening weekend. <laughs> So we will get right into this, Jason, because I know you're just champing or chomping at <laughs> Commandant Lassard's bit to see and talk about Police Academy. So would you like me to just go ahead and play the trailer and shut the hell up or just yeah, shut the I, hell up in general? And then uh, when I get to it, play the trailer. Uh, a, yes. B, yes. OK, let's do that then. Prime. <laughs> the city was full of it. Desperate measures were needed. Want you to go to the police again. The 
police academy is such a dangerous place. Honey, don't worry. Desperate measures were taken. I'm joining the police force. The mayor says we have to take this riffraff. I'm trapped here? Oh, yes. We all are. What about guns? When do we get guns? You will be schooled in firearms, police procedures, local laws, and many, many other things. High-speed driving. Police Academy. Where did you get this gun? Mom gave it to me. Mister, I am warning you, hot They're lean. Mean. Does the radio bother you? I can turn it down. Obscene. Each and every one of them striving to defend. You make me sick. Thank you, sir. I make everybody sick. See the thighs. Or upend. Come on, come on. I haven't got all day the thighs. And now that they're ready for the real world. Give me the thing. Crime is no longer the number one problem. They are. Can you get my kitty cat out of the tree? No problem, ma'am. Excuse me. Excuse me. Spoiler alert, please. <laughs> that was for you, Jesse. <laughs> that was pretty good. I forgot. <sighs> A live impromptu spoiler alert. I almost pushed the JV button, but I remember Jesse's like, we need to have some of the old school stuff before you guys yeah, stop. I, I was like, oh, what the hell? I need to put the driving car one back on here. Yeah, we do. So, my friend, since, uh, again, the reason why I said spoiler alert, if, again, if you're new <laughs> at this point, the three of you that have been listening since the beginning, we know you're not new, but I'm going to say it anyway. We will spoil the crap out of this movie, and this movie, above all the movies we've ever covered, you don't want spoiled. <laughs> the twists and turns, I mean, wow. Doesn't it have to have a plot to have uh, yeah, plot well, there spoilers? Is, there is that. <laughs> It does. It's called Stripes. I mean... Oh, wait, ouch, stop. Ouch, ouch. <laughs> All right, so let me get something out here first. Go for it. Does that trailer sound weird to you, like a little high pitch? Like Steve Gutenberg's Gutenberg. Yeah, yeah, he was almost like he hadn't quite... They, the berries hadn't dropped yet. That, yeah, that, that it sounded he was, odd. It's time to change. He hadn't quite <laughs> gone through like that moment. Yeah. yeah. No, it uh, was No, I think it was at a regular speed. It just... Uh, he was the goot was in his even, even pre prime. I would even say that, that he was going into his prime at this point. Yeah, cocoon. Police Academy three that eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven because uh, three men and a baby, and then short was it eighty seven was three men and a baby. I believe so. And short circuit was eighty six. So that that is definitely that his was his prime prime yeah. real estate right there for for the goot yeah. for the goot. Yeah. So this was, yeah, this was right on the upswing. Yeah, definitely the beginning of the climb for the goot. I, um, I, I just, he, I just like saying any, that, by the way, huh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> had he done a lot before this that was really big? He, uh, probably mean, that off the top of my head, the biggest movie that he was in prior to this would have been Diner. 
which was Barry Levinson, one of his early films, because that one uh, starred like a bunch of guys early in their career, like Mickey Rourke, uh, Ellen Barkin is in it. Uh, mm. I think is Fran Drescher in that, or am I thinking of Lords of Flatbush with Stallone? I don't know. Anyway, I, I want to say Kevin Bacon was in Diner. There's a bunch. Mm. A Daniel Stern may have been in Diner. I have to look it up. But it's one of those slice of life, coming of age guys in their early twenties kind of movie. And I think it takes place in the sixties. I haven't seen it in years. It was a really good movie. It's it's more of a, like a character driven kind of movie. Yeah. But uh, that was probably his biggest movie prior to this oh oh no well if you count tv movies he had done the day after that terrifying nuclear holocaust nuclear nuclear holocaust movie that had come out on tv that traumatized school children all through the united states (laughs) i I didn't see it until oh crap when did heather and i rent that it was like maybe within the last 10 years like i didn't see it when it first came out. i was familiar Uh, with it it was still scary, man. It, the effects and stuff were cheesy, but good. I can, as an adult, I'm watching this going, I can't even imagine. But the one that I had seen, Total Rabbit Trail for a second, there was a movie that it came on like PBS. It was called Testament. And I didn't know what the name of it was for years and years and years, but I was talking to somebody after we had watched the day after. Something got brought up, and this young guy's like, oh, yeah, I bet you that's a movie, Testament. And I looked it up. I was like, he's so right. It was one. Of, it was the same kind of movie, but it focused on this mother and her kids, and they're out they're uh. on the like the suburbs of L.A., and L.A. was ground zero for this nuclear attack. And it's just they all the kids slowly are, uh, spoiler alert, dying of radiation poison. It was so depressing. Oh, God. It was like, and I remember seeing that like at nine, ten ish year, somewhere in that ballpark. Oh, it traumatized me, man. I Ow. was so scared of nukes as a kid. <laughs> like seriously, I just was terrified of that. Was that what year did the Miracle Mile? Is that the one we talked about? We, you, I actually have never seen that movie. So I, I had the poster because I got it from a video store, and I know about it. But I think you actually saw it and didn't like it, right? We're weren't that crazy about it. Um, no, I didn't hate it. I mean, it was. Uh... It, it was Anthony kind Edwards. of a yeah, yeah. It was Anthony Edwards. It had this this. It, it was good. It was good. It had a kind of a slow burn to it. Yeah, uh, it was a very small movie, which I like. I kind of like when they make movies that are just about a couple people and they don't make it gigantic and about a you know yeah. a whole, whole bunch. Um, and it was okay. It was it was well written. Yeah, but it was really just this guy uh, and hit, following him like through his day. Yeah, as the rest of the world like nuclear war starts is imminent yeah and i think there's yeah. something about that mundane quality that makes it so much more terrifying yeah because that's kind of the perspective that every man would have it's yeah. the the normal person you wouldn't know what's going on. i mean nowadays maybe different but back then definitely there was no uh if the tv was out it, it, there was no like getting news all day long it was um if this kind of thing happened in the 80s and even 90s you wouldn't know about it and it would be a lot of confusion. Now, I mean, you have smartphones and uh, yeah, you know, the but internet. Dude, it wouldn't take uh, not not to get all conspiratorial. It wouldn't take much to take out a you know, the satellites and the systems. No, it to, definitely wouldn't. Yeah, no, we, it definitely and wouldn't. I think people now would be so much worse off. I think back then there was still a certain level of you got newspapers, you had radio. There was, a, but now people are so reliant on that twenty four seven news feed. I would. think I think it wouldn't take long for people to recoup because we haven't had that stuff for long. No, no, I think I people think, would recoup, but I think initially, oh yeah, especially and and not, not to knock on the younger folks, but I'm thinking there's some withdrawal that would be happening. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, they would be withdrawing from the internet as they were suffering from radiation. 
folks, <laughs> yeah, but, but, folks like us, we'd be fine. We just you know go play with our, our etch a sketches, uh, <laughs> our Rubik's cubes. We would write. We would just completely devolve right back to analog technologies. We'd be fine. We'd be fine. <laughs> hey, my Atari twenty six hundred would be right back up there. <laughs> yeah, not operating because there'd be no electricity. But hey, that's okay. Whatever, right? Hook the kids up to a hamster wheel and get a generator going. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Self-reliance. That's what we're all about here on the Forgotten Flicks podcast. So, right. Jason, would you like to give them a synopsis? How the hell did we get to Miracle Mile from Police Academy? <laughs> all I know is we've eaten through 12 and a half minutes. <laughs> and, all, and all I got is like a good six minutes left in me. So, <laughs> just kidding. Go ahead. Oh, I remember we talked about Gutenberg. Uh, the Goot. And, uh, yeah. The Goot. Yes, yeah. the day after. Yes, that's how we got after. there. Okay. Testament, so, Miracle yes. Mile. Yes. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen this movie or any of the movies, this is really about uh, a gang of folks who join the police academy who, as I've said before, are kind of a group of ne'er-do-wells. But for some reason, which they never explain in the movie, the mayor, uh, the <laughs> female mayor. Whoa, whoa. Progressive no. alert. What's uh. up with Metropolitan <laughs> City? That's obviously New York, but they called it just Metropolitan for some reason. Right. Um she decided that they would let in, and I actually, hold on, let me pull up my note from this. Um, uh, here we go. I actually made a note. Uh, the beginning of the movie opens with credits kind of flying on the screen that say uh, the the mayor of Metropolitan City, whatever, uh, decided to change entrance for the police academy. Uh, so here it is. No longer would height, weight, <laughs> sex, education, or physical strength be used or, to keep new recruits or heartbeat <laughs> out of the metropolitan police academy so um it, it begs begs the question before this did sex or heights or yeah, well, uh, apparently race weight of all those just because you'd have to pass a certainly maybe like a pt test or whatever they call it I, the, I can understand physical strength yeah weight and even education nowadays because yeah. you know you do have to be it, yeah but the race the race and the yes. gender one especially you're like you're like really because i'm pretty sure that there were laws passed on a federal level <laughs> well in the credit or in that little um text they don't say race but we do learn very quickly that that is uh, part of their knockout criteria. Well, but, so, yet, but yet, but yet, the captain with Mahoney. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get to that. Okay, but, we'll get but to that. before we get to that point, can I also make one observation about that opening sequence? Yes. I don't know if you had the same reaction I did. So I'm reading this, and I, I get that the new mayor was trying to push this agenda that at the time would have been like, whoa, this is the the old white guy club, and you're you're breaking down the fences. I get that, but in the end, by the end of this movie. Don't you kind of think that the whole point of this movie is to give her critics ammo and credence in being right? <laughs> I'm not saying they are, mind you. I'm just saying, well, based on the thesis and then the 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 overall proving of said thesis by this movie ends up proving maybe it wasn't such a great idea. I never at any point in this movie got the feeling like said mayor was doing it to kind of open up and break down the wall of the old white man's club. Uh, it just seemed like it was incompetence to begin with. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but see, I, took like... it, I took it as almost like she came <laughs> in there. They, they were maybe having financial problems. Like, you know what? This is ridiculous. We need to open this up, especially the gender thing. I mean, come the hell on. That was just dumb. But so, yeah, so, I, so they go through the whole they thing. They never explain that. But do you get my yeah, point? Like, after I was like, that. I was like, by the end of the movie, I'm like, wait a minute. 
isn't this kind of making it seem like she she was wrong? Um, no more than say how completely incompetent and idiotic the entire police academy staff already were. were. So no, oh, and they already but, but like for instance the um the chief, the one the commandant answers to right, who's yes, obviously yes. just a complete jerk, right? Right. Yet in the end, he may be a jerk. And he was a horrible human being. But in a sense, this movie, the whole way it plays out, almost makes him right. I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying the almost no, like, with the, no. you, you didn't take it that way? No. no. Let, let me finish the synopsis first. Oh, I thought you already did. <laughs> no, I never even got to it. <laughs> that, was a, that was a joke on the idea that there really isn't one. But go ahead. That's right. right. <laughs> I thought that was it. That was, that was the plot. Take two. <laughs> uh, really, there's not much else to it. It's. The, the primary character in this uh, is um, the Goot, Steve Gutenberg, plays Carrie Car- Mahoney, and um, he joins the police academy not of his own volition. He basically is kind of a – I mean I wouldn't call him a criminal. He's more of just like a slacker, and in the beginning we find that he's sort of pushed by this jag-off asshole customer who tells him, park my car and – Mahoney's trying to be nice. Says, there's no, there's no spaces. The lot's full. So the owner of the lot comes up and he's like, "Hey, this is my friend. Park his car. Shut up!" And they call him all kinds of names. And he's like, "Okay, I'll park your car." So he does stuntman style car driving and pulls the car up on two wheels and slams it between a couple it, of parked interesting cars. Interesting side note: that was a I don't know the exact year. Not a car guy, but a '77, '78 Firebird. The kind of like the Trans Ams that had the actual bird decal in the front. My cousin like, Chris had like that exact car, man. It was awesome. That's like the original Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, he car. had one of those. It was uh, it was awesome. I would have one of those today in a A surprising amount of legroom, by the way, in the yes. front. A surprising <laughs> big. amount. Yes, yes. Um, so he gets arrested for that. And the captain, who apparently knows Mahoney because he is a repeat offender, says, Your punishment instead of going to jail will be you must go to the police academy. Yes. Because apparently that's what you do with criminals to teach them a lesson is you make them go to the police academy yep. and you arm them. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. And then they can randomly choose another. I, I guess criminal to be criminal in the in the hallway just, just, just because met. you like them. Yeah, yeah, I'll go as long. Yeah, suddenly he's able to throw down the conditions. I'll go as long as the dude who makes all the really awesome noises with his mouth can go with me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So apparently that's what punishment is. Um, so he gets in, and then we have a whole cast of other characters who are all joining for different reasons, all of them voluntarily. Uh, some of them because they're just bored with their life, which we find out from. Um, Kim Cattrall's character. She is, I guess, a rich heiress who wants to uh, uh, meet new people and try a new challenge kind of thing. So um, she joins. And then we have Hooks, who we don't really find out why she joined, played by Marion Ramsey, but she kind of is quiet and mousy. Uh, You have um, Hightower, played by Bubba Smith, who joined because his floral business was boring. (laughs) And by the way, why was he one of the rejects? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. He's this massive, well, just imposing think, figure, and why wouldn't he be like their star pupil? I think he's the reject, and I'll talk about this in a second, because he was black. Okay, again but, again, but that doesn't mesh with the fact the captain was, and, uh, okay, all right. No, it, it doesn't, but 
I think that's why and what he, they were playing at, and I'll tell you why in a minute. And, okay. and the one character doesn't want the character even say why would they something about about Hightower? He said if you put him on the street, crime would stop. And yeah, that like, was another one of the cadets, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Another cadets. So then we get and then we get Tackleberry, who is played by David Graff. He's the psycho wannabe marine. Um, uh, Green Beret type yes. who just happens to have his own personal arsenal and he's a super aggressive kind of guy. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, the random noise-making guy in the hallway, um, Michael Winslow, he kind of... <laughs> yes. Who don't tell me all of us didn't try and make those machine gun sounds. <laughs> I think this for see how you how concentrated you can be for the rest of the office. I'm just gonna randomly I'm just gonna throw them in. All right. <laughs> continue, Jason. I'm done. My Michael right. Mike, Michael Winslow fixation yes. is past. He really joins because Mahoney asked him to. I mean, he doesn't really have a reason to, but he joins. And then you have the character with the most unfortunate name uh, to be picked on, Les Barbara. <laughs> yeah. The, the kid who uh, apparently gets picked five or six neighborhood thugs uh, and who in the beginning of the movie is in this little photo booth, what looks like a giant camera and gets yeah. thrown. To the river, because that's not a crime. No, no, uh, that wasn't attempted murder at all. No, no. Uh, who I'm going to get back at you, and then he, you know, he joins to kind of toughen up, and so you this group of people shouldn't really belong. Uh, and then you've got the academy who is trying to get them all to quit because, as you mentioned, the chief thinks that they're all, uh, you know, idiots and and dirt bags and piece of crap that shouldn't be here anyway, and he blames that woman mayor. Uh, for doing it. And so he wants the, the Academy to kind of bounce them all. And that, and the, the main uh, protagonist and or antagonist in this is uh, Sergeant Harris, uh, who is the played by GW Bailey. He's the kind of jerk drill instructor type who was trying to get them all to quit, but won't he's so throw good, any he's of them so out. He's so good at that character. He is very good at that character. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, and, and we'll get to this in a minute, in latter uh, Academy movies, they switch it out for that Proctor guy. Well, isn't Proctor his sidekick? I thought that Proctor, because remember, I can hear Harris in my head saying, Proctor! I think Proctor came around in like two or three. Yeah, but he ends up being kind of the main guy. Does he really? Yeah, and I don't think, I think Bailey drops out. Oh, you keep talking. I'll look. Cause I honestly don't remember. Yeah, I thought Bailey I, I, was in I all recall, of them. I recall him, the Proctor kind of, or maybe it's not Proctor, but it's a guy that is greased back hair is kind of similar look, but he took oh. over in later uh, movies and he just wasn't as good. I think Bailey did the best at this role. I know he was in at least one and two. I don't remember if he was in any beyond that, but I know okay. they had this kind of odd guy. They tried to swap out to play the same character. Right. Okay. So anyway, they all join. They shouldn't be there. Everyone's trying to kick them out. And of course, what happens? They all do well. They all kind of, in the end, Were you using quote fingers, Justin, Jason? I just want to know if you were quote fingering. <laughs> because we have one. this montage of them starting to succeed. And then uh, we'll get to the end and decide whether or not they actually did well. But it's 
the idea of the misfits underdog, uh, you can't win. Nobody believes in you, but we're all going to band together and win kind of story. Yes. It was definitely an, an underdog tale. Right. With plenty of montages. And definitely, it was definitely under the dog's tail. That was definitely the... Under the dog's tail. And I will say, just because I I want to avoid the hate mail, Jay, Eris was, in fact, in all of them, including Mission to Moscow. Really? Yes. And who am I thinking of? Because there was another guy... Proctor Proctor was like his dopey sidekick. That that was kind of like a guy, like a goof, like, yeah, boss kind of guy. You know, he just didn't... He always you dumb crap and piss uh, us off. So I don't okay. know if that's who you're thinking of, or maybe you're melding your douchey villain type guys together. Maybe no, it was definitely Proctor. Maybe he was just his sidekick, but um, huh? For some reason, I kept seeing him in that. Maybe it was. Anyway, my memory is flawed. Clearly, as I'd like to point out in this movie, because <laughs> I asked to do this, I have not seen it. As I mentioned, it's got to be more than a decade. Maybe. Maybe 15 or 20 years. Yeah, it's at least been that long for me. It's at least been 15 plus years, yeah. Now, I know I've seen some of the others. I did not see this when it came out in theaters originally. I would have been too young to see it because it's rated R. Um, And I probably saw it on HBO as it was rerun on on cable. But I I have very fond memories of this and some of the other movies in the series as being hilarious, absolutely Gut busting. I, I want to cover this, but we've always backed away from it just because it's so mainstream. It's kind of well known. Uh, it just the title. Everybody knows. I think if this had been it. the only one, or there maybe one sequel, but the fact that they had sequels all the way up into the nineties, and well, actually they're talking about doing another one, apparently. Well, and all the sequels, except for Mission to Moscow, were in the eighties. That's so true. It was like, That's true. Yeah, it was 84, 85, 86, Every 87. Year. I mean, it was yeah. like. Yeah, yeah it was every year. So Mission to Moscow was the furthest one out because the last one was 89 yeah, and then Mission to Moscow was yeah. five years later. Right. Yeah. Um, so this is really a quintessential 80s series yeah. uh, 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 with all the the um, sequels to it. So I'm like, I want to cover this. I have such fond memories. And then I watched it. This is hardcore CND for me. This is hardcore really? cinematic nostalgia disorder on the nth degree. Now, I haven't I didn't go back and rewatch two or three or any of the sequels. I just watched the original. So maybe two or three or something might four had Bobcat Goldthwait in it. I don't know three was, yeah. was he did he come around three or four? I know he was in four. I don't yeah, I don't remember what episode he came into, but um it, it just it this one he it, was in it, three. He was in three. He may have been two. Even Bobcat may have been two. Was it? Was it two? Yeah, he was in three for sure, and I know he was in. Four. Oh yeah, go, but yeah, I got it. Yeah, he was in two. Two, yeah, yeah. So maybe it was two that I'm thinking of, but three, um, it just didn't hit it. It just didn't hit it for me. Uh, and I got a lot of notes uh, why, but interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I guess it's we're letting cats out of the bag. I didn't hate it as much as you. Interesting. I, I didn't. I, it's a horrible movie. Let's just make sure we're clear on this. Like it's, yeah. it's really not a great movie. And although it's odd because there's a couple of times I'm pretty sure I should have been offended, but it was so tepid <laughs> in the way it did it that I, I didn't. It was almost non. It was weird. Like there's a couple yeah. of moments where you're like, ooh, but then how can I put this? I always felt like the original Police Academy as a kid was dangerous. 
to me to me it was in that in that yeah. bachelor party um yeah. uh trying to, those those sex comedies you hear about like your your slightly older friend that you're probably not supposed to be hanging out with because he gets yes. to see stuff like that tells you all yeah. about him that kid yeah. would tell you about these movies so for some reason i had it in my head and also we had an albertson's i don't know if you're familiar you remember albertson's right yeah of okay. course yeah well grocery if, store. were they were they anywhere outside of florida i don't know if they were or not Oh, yes. They were all over the country. Okay, so people out there know about Albertsons. And yep. we, they always had a video rental section. I do remember that. It was like a little counter. Yep, yep. Well, yeah, a little, little corner. Ours, yeah. ours, ours in St. Pete, the one on 4th Street, uh, the one on 4th Street, which has since been taken over. And you know what I'm talking about. And <laughs> uh, it, it it actually had like several shelves. I remember they actually had like a section. Like it was a, and it was near the magazine section because that's where I'd go get my Mad Magazine. And for some oh, yeah, reason- I, I can remember yeah. going to the Albertsons, getting my Mad Magazine from 1986 with aliens on the cover. And I don't know, <laughs> yes. the, the random crap that stays in my brain. <laughs> Where? What What nooks and of your cranium? Do these things yeah, I don't know, but it's terrifying. But for some reason, I can always remember Police Academy, the boxes. They would always have the the empty video box cover, you know, like the clamshell yes. on the, yep. and, you take it up. Uh -huh. So they give you the tape yep. because they obviously figured out people were probably just stealing them off the shelves. <laughs> and, and so you take it up. Yeah. And then they would give you the actual, and it was always, they'd give it to you in like a clear clamshell. Yeah. It was never in the box that the movie came in no. originally, which I always thought sucked. Cause like, I wanted to look at the box, but you couldn't look at the box. So you don't have the box. So, but no. for some reason, I always remember there was a couple of movies. I always remember seeing the boxes of and looking at them and looking at the back. Police Academy was one Friday the 13th, the original Friday the 13th, because for some reason, again, it seemed dangerous. And like, I wasn't supposed to even be looking at the box. And those two were definitely ones. There were some other ones. There was one, uh, I think, uh, was it uh microwave massacre? It was like a guy's head in the microwave or a woman's head. I don't remember that. Oh, dude, one. That's a, that is such a POS. <laughs> you, you couldn't even have CND for that thing. I watched part of it oh. on YouTube. It is so bad. <laughs> And, but again, it's like, I, I found it on YouTube. I'm like, oh man, I remember thinking this would have to be one of these like awful, horrific movies. And I just, I'm like, this is this. it's one of those movies that tries to be a comedy, but it, which it, one it, was that? Uh, microwave Massacre. Oh yeah. It just, it was horrible. So, <laughs> so yeah, but police the, academy, was yeah, but there was several like that. Comedy. The, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> They're trying to be a comedy. The, was trying. the, the dead pit, there was several like this. So, but police yeah. academy, for some reason. I always equated my head. This is going to be very strange with Friday the 13th. And I don't know why that is. So as a huh. kid, I, I think I was not afraid to see it. <laughs> I was a very odd child. And I saw two at my cousin's house. I always got to see movies at his house. I wasn't supposed to see other places because that was PG-13. And we'll have to yeah. get into that too. How this went from R, PG-13, and then like every other movie in the series, PG. Yeah. Every movie was PG after that, which I think was weird when you've considered where it started from. Really? Yes. Every one of them. I checked every one of them. After two, three through seven are PG. So two was 13? Yep. It was and the rest of, were it was PG one of the earlier PG. Yeah, all the rest are PG. I can understand why. We'll get into that. Yeah. So, so anyway. So yes. They, so for some reason, though, I can remember going there, seeing the box... And again, had the friend that was able to see it, and he told me about all the all the that there was all these naughty parts in it. So I had it in my head that it was just this raucous, raunchy, over the top kind of movie. And again, when we you said you wanted to do this, I was like, I could. I was like, did I see that thing? Because it was. I remember two clearly. Three, four. I remember all of them, all, except I know I didn't see Mission to Moscow. Under Siege, I have virtually no memory of for for other than just like bits and pieces. But the other ones, I actually remember pieces of so 
this one I just couldn't. And then as I'm watching it, like I said, it hits me. Oh, 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 actually, yeah, yeah, okay, I remember this, I remember that. So I don't know why it's so tenuous and, and nebulous in my head, but it was. So as I'm watching it, there were several parts I chuckled at, but not in, it was very, there wasn't any like laugh out loud, you know, I'm going to pee my pants kind of moments for sure. But at the end, I was like, yeah, it's, 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 it's really, other than some boobies, it's really, there's not, this could have been a PG-13 movie. I mean, it was, there was not, it was like, eh, because even the podium scene, which I'm sure we'll get to, it was actually more suggestive. I mean, there's, I see way worse on non-pay cable TV at this point. There's yeah, been... I, it surprised me. The only thing, I mean, I, I went into this looking at, you know, uh, the IMDb and seeing it was R and I'm like, I don't remember. Okay. I do remember, uh, that it, it had the podium scene, which we'll talk about, but I thought, okay, maybe there's more swearing than I remembered or there really wasn't even uh, that much swearing. No, there wasn't. And then I thought, you know, maybe there's more sex than I remember, but like you said, there was a couple of boobies. There was scenes, no but... sex. It was just like some gratuitous boobie. And they it were was gratuitous. suggestive. Yeah. You know, it almost seemed so... like to me that this movie was shot as a PG movie because even the level of swearing was borderline for that time period was like a PG level cussing until they dropped like one F bomb. And although tank, remember Did tank? They? Yeah, there was one F bomb. I can't remember who said it, but there was one. And at least one that I remember. The only one, the the worst I remember is at one point in the beginning, uh, the guy that the bad customer that comes to uh, the parking lot calls Steve Gutenberg a dickhead. Yeah, yeah, that and they they draw. Yeah, there was that. They said shit a few times or stuff like that. They but, did say shit a few yeah, times. Yeah, but there, but there wasn't. It wasn't you know wall to wall you know, profanity by any stretch. No, and and no. I mean uh, there was a movie called Tank that came out the same year with James Garner. And oh, I think yeah, I love that movie. See yeah. Thomas Howell. I haven't seen it in years, but for some reason, again, the only thing I remember about that movie is it was PG, but they said the F word. Did they really? Yes, and I remember to this day, we rented it, my dad and I rented it from Armchair Theater, and I thought that was like the biggest deal in the world. <laughs> I don't know why. So, because that's what kids do. I guess. But, but so, again, it could have probably gotten away with one F-bomb. I felt like the boob scenes, honestly, were... You hear about people doing the whole uh, moral majority, like, oh, it's so, but it was, it felt gratuitous. Like, I was like, really, this really wasn't even necessary. Why did you, because even the shower scene was so far away, that that wasn't even like R-rated yeah, nudity. It was just it. That, that bonfire scene. Yeah, and, and that it was the most. It felt added in. It felt added in to me. It was weird. It, it did, and the scene with, uh, what was the other sergeant, the other drill instructor, what's her name again? Oh, Callahan. Callahan, the scene where she comes on to George Martin, uh, <laughs> she, she's got like a granny bra on. So it's not like well, they you know what's funny about show. that. I, as a kid, thought for sure that she was the because she, she, depending on what you're into, she's a hell of a woman. OK, and <laughs> and as I recall in later movies, maybe this maybe I'm remembering number two. Yeah, I definitely remember this movie. But when I think back to the the hilarity that I thought was encased in this movie. Maybe I'm thinking it's number two because I remember them showing more cleavage scenes of her. Yes. I think you're in right. This, there's none. Yeah. I mean, she's, she wears, you know, tighter clothes and whatnot, but, yeah, but, but she's we, wearing that ultra supportive, really, you know, kind of odd granny bra. Even when she comes on to George and he's like, Oh, I'm in love. It's, it's super covering. Like you could wear that out. It's almost it, like a corset or a, what are those, uh, the bustier kind of things, but even, 
but you know what I mean? Like it's more, yeah, yeah, but it's even more like like almost like a shield. Like she's wearing an actual shield to cover her large bosom. And it's interesting. The actress, uh, why am I brain farting on her name? Uh, I'm gonna cheat. I gotta cheat. Callahan. Yeah, the one played now. Write her down. Uh, Oh, at least Leslie Easterbrook. She apparently never did nude. Like she wouldn't do that. She would, you know, show cleavage or whatnot. And maybe that's why. And maybe that's she was just. Oh, that's fine. And that's fine. But again, as a kid, I totally thought she was the one. And I remember thinking, as a kid, mind you, goody, goody, goody. And then, of course, that was the outcome. And you're like, wow, that's wow, that's really (laughs) the whole movie felt like the one time they could have had a sex scene. It totally went PG, like PG, PG, like almost yeah. G. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. So I'm, I'm convinced this was meant to be a PG rated movie, and they decided for whatever reason that yeah, they I wanted to be more of the Caddyshack stripes kind of I comedy. I think it was just leaving in those, those, uh, the bare-breasted scenes. I think that was it. But even an airplane, even airplane had, you know, it was for a joke, but you have bare breasts that go across the screen. I don't know if you remember that. And it's PG. So it's not, I think the issue was because of how many, and that it was just, it, again, it felt so good to it. You're like, what, what, what yeah, did it, it even happen? It, it was yeah. weird. It was weird. Yeah. Um, now, you mentioned you, you, there were a couple of scenes where uh, you thought it could have been offensive, but it wasn't because you just thought it was so kind of placid, it, the delivery of it. Yeah, and I don't think, I, well, let's get, get them right away. The, the oyster bar being... Was it the blue oyster? The oyster bar. The blue oyster. <laughs> yeah, yes. it was an oyster bar. Uh, yeah. The blue oyster, <laughs> uh, which is a, a the, you, you, I'll let you set it up. You set up the joke. Okay, so there's no joke here. I, I, this this is my biggest note. Um, and I actually, after I watched the movie, I talked to my wife about this. I said, I'm, I'm turning into an old fart. I really, I think I really am <laughs> because I watch some of these movies, and it's not all. There's just some that had jokes that were to- that felt. And I'm going to say it's because I was a kid. They felt totally okay at the time. Uh-huh. And you watch them now and it's like, oh, that's awful. I mean, that's really just awful. And I don't I don't filter a lot of movies from my kids. Uh, I, I let them see raw movies. Now, some of them I know they won't like or, you know, the ones that they won't get or enjoy. But I don't do a lot of um, censoring of for dirty words or even, you know, some mild nudity like this or stuff like that. But there are things that I find myself, and I realize that now, I wouldn't want them to watch this movie just because of so many of the references. Um, Not only, like, there were a lot of gay jokes, uh, really bad ones, but also just, like, the whole racial thing. And the reason is, in this movie, it seems like they're playing it up like it's funny and it's okay. Different than if you watch the movie that that's what it was about. And that they were overcoming some odds or there was some, you know, you see that there's clearly, you know, bad behavior, good behavior. There was a lot of like fag jokes and and the dog came up at one point in the beginning. The dog comes up and starts humping the commandant's leg. And, you know, it would have been a funny enough joke that Barbara, the <laughs> the guy who was um, his parents dropped him so off and crying about it. Yeah. Yes, right. And uh, his dog's name was Princess. And then Princess comes up and's humping the commandant's leg. And so that was a funny joke that ah, I was named Princess. But but then, you know, they had to call it a queer dog and they made like three references. Well, here's, to the, here's, here's the only thing. And, and believe me, I am not remotely playing devil's advocate. But this is what I meant by I, I didn't take it because the characters that make those kind of for the most part were such D-bag asshats that. I felt it was almost like uh, Greg Tolan and just one of the guys because he makes several 
jokes along, well, comments about yeah, other characters. Like, yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I took it as Harris is such that. a even jerk Gutenberg. that it's just but part even, of him being a jerk. Even Mahoney, even Gutenberg's character. That was the, well, I'll be honest with you. This is funny you say that. That was the only time. I was like, well, damn, dude. Like, because you know, like, he's supposed to be like the hero. That's that's where we'll get to what the Blue Easter was about. Yeah, I'll, but, I'll, but I'll, that I'll whole thing to... because they actually, in a way, weren't. I didn't take it as they were making fun of the bar as much as these two asshats because they're totally yes. like one guy's like the rebel no. flag, rednecky kind of guy, no. and and they are in this situation and don't know how to get out of it. So that to me was funny in and of itself. And I didn't feel yes. like they were necessarily mocking anybody other than them in that moment. But the no, part and, where Mahoney, and I separate. Where yeah. Mahoney oh. says that part, like just, it's just a throwaway yeah. thing, but it's like, it just felt, it felt odd. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. So it, it felt like if, if I took the writing on whole, there were way too, for me, it was just way too many off-putting references to that. Like that was, a lot of what the movie was about. Yes. There was a lot of jokes about that. Well, that's why people. The, that's why people who didn't like it back then hated it. And it wasn't because they were necessarily more open-minded about such matters. I think it was just because it's the the low. No, no pun intended. The low-hanging fruit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, yeah. It, it was easy. It, those are especially and when you in the whole consider the time period in 1984, there were those elements where you could get away with that. Obviously, there's yeah. a lot of movies that went there with that kind of yes, stuff. Absolutely. And and so it was it was quote unquote mainstream okay. It was politically correct to be like that. Yes. Whereas now but, it wouldn't be. It, it people go, oh political correctness. Political correctness has always been there. It's what's relative to the time and what people are willing to tolerate. That's what it boils down to. What people as a culture are willing to find okay and But I felt Okay, but I felt like in this movie there were more than just uh okay. In that time period, I do remember being in middle school or high school and having people kind of telling those kind of jokes and it being much more mainstream, right? Yeah, and, and you were and, like 13. Correct. And, yeah, I, yeah. Let me finish. So I I get like in movies like Just One of the Guys, you've got the bad guy who makes a bad joke and it's sort of okay, but they don't really dwell on that. And a lot of the movies from that time period have the one or two like passing jokes about it. Um, this movie seemed to have a lot and it it more than other movies in that time period. Yeah. So I understand the throwaway, like the the Greg Tolan throwaway comments every so often, where because just like when I was thirteen, it wasn't meant as a knock on a group of people. It was just something that stupid kids said. In this movie, it felt like there was a lot more than necessary. So there are a couple of things. One, I want to separate the Blue Oyster Bar because that part was. I don't. I didn't feel like that was offensive or or. Uh, it was funny. I yeah, did. Yeah, think here's that, the thing: it's not like those kind so, of bars didn't and possibly don't still exist, and they didn't. Yes. And they didn't go out. They're perpetuating a stereotype, of course, but it didn't feel. I guess the best way to put it to me: I didn't take it as mean spirited. No, and and so the idea, the setup for that was uh, the two. Uh, platoon leaders, whatever squad leaders that Harris picked to kind of bump everybody out or, or um, to be hard enough on everybody that they would quit. Uh, they were the, they got their head shaved at the beginning on accident, but they were, like you said, kind of the more rednecky, uh, um, hardcore. They really wanted to be police and they hated everybody else. So they were the out group, the outcasts. And when they wanted to know where the big party was going to happen, of course, Mahoney finds out they want that. That's why, you know, they want to know. So he gives them a completely wrong place and he tells them it's at the blue oyster bar. So they show up in their preppy clothes, you know, their, their, um, uh, 
polo shirts that are in pastels. Yeah, their eyes and, odds. They're right, really- and, exactly. And they show up, and you know, the place is full of like leather clad bikers. It's a it and, is a it is a bear gay bar. Yes. Yeah. So they show up, and it actually is kind of funny because when there's you know when they first get there, the guys kind of surround them, but they don't go to that whole realm of there being that the the guys in the bar being aggressive or hurting yeah, no, them. They're just. Yeah. They just start dancing with them. And Slow the funny part about that, yeah, well, no, they start like tango. Oh, that's right. That's right. The but then when they come back at the end, they're they're kind of slow dancing to this jukebox song. And the uh, <clears throat> I don't remember his name, Copeland or yeah, I think it was Copeland, yeah. Copeland, because I remember Harris calling Dopeland at one point, but he actually falls asleep on the guy's shoulder as they're slow dancing. So <laughs> that actually played out funny. And I don't have a major problem with that. It's it's just it seemed like there were a lot of others. So you've got the, you know, the queer dog you've got the uh mahoney dropping it you've even got commandant lassard at the podium scene which we'll talk about now where the two bad guys try and get <laughs> mahoney and barbara in trouble by bringing in this prostitute right yeah so their idea was let's bring in this hooker let's have her in the room and when room inspection and by happens, the way and they, they, picked a, her, they picked a high-end call girl <laughs> They really did. Um, so they they thought that by the hooker being in the room, they oh he's going to get in trouble. So Mahoney tries to help and hide her somewhere. And by hide her somewhere, she's like, "Where are we going?" And he says, "Oh, I like it in weird places." She's like, "Oh, why didn't you say so?" So she he stuffs her into uh, the bottom part of this big podium on the stage where the commandant is about ready to get give a get. He's about to get. <laughs> yeah, he did get. He's about to give a speech, but he can't hide her fast enough. And the commandant starts coming in. So Mahoney has to hide in the podium with the girl. Now, mm-hmm. first, this has got to be the biggest goddamn podium in, yeah, exactly. in the history of the world. Because it looks like it's a confessional when they when they show the camera inside. Um, but as the commandant starts to give his speech, the hooker's like, eh, whatever. And you just hear zip. And she starts to Give him head as he's giving this speech. Um, this was a little more uncomfortable than I remembered as a kid. But <laughs> well, <laughs> so, again, to be fair, you don't see anything at all. I mean, you don't barely even see anything. Uh, you mostly get Mahoney because Mahoney's under the podium with her. So you get his reaction once you realize what the hell is going on. Yes. And, and yeah, of course, and of course, away. comment on the heart's face as he's. Yes, as he's talking, he's like, and on this slide is very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, right. And then, okay, he doesn't know what's going on, the commandant. And as he finishes his speech and finishes his speech, um, zip, he says, let's go have lunch and possibly smoke a cigarette, which as a kid, I remember hearing that joke a lot. The whole smoke a cigarette when you're done with sex. I never got it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just remember hearing a lot. But um, so he starts walking off and then he turns back to look at the podium and Mahoney's peeks his head out like he's going to get out. He looks around, he looks at the commandant, and he kind of shrugs his shoulders. Eh, no, and goes no, back no, in. No, he looks at me and goes, good speech. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, which I'll be that's honest right. with you, I thought that joke was hilarious. That was, that was okay. I thought um, that was probably the only part. There was maybe <laughs> one or two other times that I chuckled. That was the only time I chuckled. Yeah. Um. So they kind of ran that gag through. Yes. Um. All the way to the end, even, where... Mahoney is kissing um, Kim Cattrall's character and the commandant comes up and think it's two guys. And he's like, Oh, you officer, you stop that. And she turns around. He's like, Oh, it's a girl. Well then continue. That's okay. And 
you know, so it was just a lot of those throughout. Yeah. And, and, um, and again, I guess I go back to with that kind of moment. It's indicative of the time because, again, mainstream, that would have been obviously nobody thought twice about that. Uh, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to touch upon some maybe keeping things in context. Roger Ebert's response to this movie, because it's kind of hilarious and awesome. And uh, I, 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 I get what you're saying. And and now it's like you watch it go. Yeah. And, the fact well, and that, that's what I mean. And the fact that's that's a joke, I mean. yeah, you, you have to. And that's the problem. It's a problem with any movie or any any cultural touchstone is that no pun intended is that you you have time passes and certain jokes work and a lot of them don't anymore and whether it's because they're making lots of pop culture references to game systems or toys that no one knows what the heck they're talking about now or if it's because they're making really really homophobic jokes <laughs> but i mean i i, I agree and I'm not faulting this movie for not being more forward thinking because for God's sake, it's a sex comedy of the night of the early eighties yes. and, and it had six or seven, uh, a sequel. So I'm not faulting it. I'm what I'm trying to say is watching it as a 40 year old. Yeah. You just didn't enjoy it. I, yeah. I had a very no, different that's response. That's totally now, fair. Uh, their work. I, I chuckled at a couple of points and I have to say that the funniest points for me were mostly the high tower moments yeah. or, uh, hooks. When see, well, see, you know, I, I actually Tackleberry made me laugh quite a bit. Or Tackleberry, that's true. And I do, I, I do remember watching, or I was watching this this time, and I thought, yeah, I got to watch two because I miss Bob Goldthwait. Yeah, <laughs> I miss Bob Goldthwait, and I don't think he was. I checked. I thought Sweet Chuck was in all of them. You remember Sweet Chuck? He's like the little guy that keeps getting hurt horribly. Yes, yes, yes. He, he apparently has got a small, small. The actor has a very small part in two but he doesn't actually become a he's got a cadet Primary in three, until three. In three. Yeah. so and yeah. i just remember uh the and i think he was on saturday night live originally the uh the uh, actor and his name is escaping me yeah. uh but, but yeah but he but sweet chuck i, I was like oh man because i think the guy whose wife which that part was i mean it was dumb but the part where the guy's wife <laughs> she's like you're too accident prone uh, you can't join the police oh, academy yeah, she that was she funny. Does, like, I laughed at that part. Through the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, and but that guy, I always felt like that was who Sweet Chuck was as a kid. Like yes. I didn't get because again, I saw them initially out of order early on, and I didn't yeah, see one too yeah. much later. So when I finally saw one, I'm like, well, wait a minute, is he supposed to be Sweet Chuck? And Sweet he got a different Chuck, actor, yeah. and I was. And just, I always felt like Sweet Chuck did that character better. Yeah, yeah, the actor like, was much better, better with it. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. other guy was almost too together. Like the guy who played Sweet yes. Chuck, you really believed could be horrifically hurt. Yeah. 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 Um, so, it, you know, there and there were some kind of racial issues uh, or a commentary in it. Uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, uh, they talked to the the chief comes into the commandant's office and uh, he kind of makes a comment. I didn't write it down, but he makes a comment about other races being there. Yes. Uh, and you're like, oh, OK, so you mean before this, there was a policy that they didn't let other races. I mean, it just <laughs> see, as a again, as a 40 year old man, I'm like, but see, see here's the thing. I, 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 yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And, and I don't the, it's, I guess here's the difference. It's it, it it's considering whether the the movie like the character is that way versus the whole point of this movie is a certain way or the message behind the movie is a certain way and moments like that i just took as indicative of the character but to your point i'm like well is it 1984 there are plenty of black cops what the hell is he talking about? that just seems yes, dumb that's on its face it seems yeah, dumb not, not that it's not now it's just it didn't fit at all it was, it was an just easy like, way to make him to paint him as a one-dimensional villain yep. you know yep. that's what they were it, it was it was uh, you know it, 
allegedly lazy writing. Tim Kazarinsky, by the way, is Sweet Chuck. For those that oh, were out there going, it's Tim Kazarinsky, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I didn't hate the movie. I really didn't. Uh, my biggest fault was I watched it and I thought, it's not as funny as I remember it being. I remembered, I, I swear to God, my sense memory is this was hilarious. But watching it now, I'm like, meh. No, it's it was not okay. hilarious. There's nothing. No, 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 There's no. nothing hilarious. And, and it is desperately, I didn't realize how much this was trying to be Stripes. Yes, it really a, a poor execution of strikes. Yeah, and you know what's funny? I always I always liked the goot for some reason. At least in this in this particular period of his career. Yeah. yeah. A, and watching this now, because I always had in my head like Mahoney was up there with that sort of Bill Murray yes. type guy. I, I had the same response. I but the same but, response. but yet I'm like, this doesn't work. Like now, no. now I, <laughs> the guys who made this movie also made another movie, which is not my pick. I don't think it's yours because it's from 85 called moving violations. And uh, no, I didn't pick that. Bill Murray's younger brother is the Mahoney character in that. There's the same sort of setup. Okay. Yeah. A- except instead of they're going to traffic school, instead of police Academy and blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. But he's good because he has that Bill Murray vibe to him. And it, it worked better, as I recall. It's been a long time, but I seem to remember that whole thing with the way he comes up, with, gets authority, and there's this yeah, same right. thing like the cops that hate his guts and blah, blah, blah. But he, he I actually, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the guy in Movie Violations, I think, I want to say, is he the guy who played Styles in Teen Wolf? But somebody like that. Somebody who's got that kind oh, of... Oh, sm- yeah. He was like Michael J. Fox's best friend? Yes, in Teen Wolf. I, I think, to me, somebody like that would be better in a... It's almost like when they even say, Gutenberg, you're, you're so... You look like the boy next door, so wholesome. And they're right. He does. I don't... I don't he buy looks like him. a little... Yeah, he looks like a young boy. And uh, Yeah, he's too nice looking. He's too innocent looking. You want somebody with a little edge to him? And he didn't have that. I think he gained it in, a, in latter movies. I, I hope. Because I have a memory of him acting differently. Because I watch this and I'm like, yeah, he kind of plays it flat. He doesn't go all overboard like a Revenge of the Nerds, but he doesn't go all Bill Murray and Stripes either. Yeah, It's it's just kind of a weird in-between. And I do like Steve Gutenberg, and there are plenty of movies that I remember liking him in. I mean, I, I liked him in Three Men and a Baby, and I liked him in um, uh, Cocoon. But in this, two things stuck out at me. Was One, he just didn't have the delivery in this one. He wasn't, and it could be the writing, but he just didn't strike me as as funny as I thought he would be Two, He's pretty ripped in this. <laughs> yeah. He More doesn't seem like an underdog. He doesn't seem like an underdog. No, he seems like he's perfectly physically fit. So when you have like a Bill Murray in stripes, and he has to do push-ups and sit-ups, yeah, exactly. he seems more like the doughy, lazy yeah. couch potato. Yes. Not, not that he was overweight, but just he just seemed like the guy who wasn't physically fit. And this, from the very beginning, like when the goot gets out of his car at the very first scene when he arrives at the police academy, yeah. he's his arms are ripped. He's got a six-pack and a half shirt. I, I do love that he's wearing a half shirt that says, bun in the oven with an arrow pointing <laughs> down. That was, that was kind of awesome. <laughs> that was see, funny. Like that, picture... <laughs> Picture a Bill Murray wearing that. Yes, that would have. It would be that much funnier. Yes. Now so, I will say I was mistaken. Jerry Levine was Styles, but to me he always looked like one of the Murray brothers. John yeah. Murray was the main. So it was Bill Murray's younger brother that was in Moving Violations. And again, it's just the it, any of those guys like that playing this part. I think would have made it that much better. Yeah, because Gutenberg to me it was almost like when they told him, you know, the, the drill instructors to go make him run until he throws up. I'm like, yeah, I think he could do that. I think he it could looks handle like it just really fine. Good. Yeah. 
Yeah. He can run probably more than you can. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I didn't. It was stuff like that. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, yeah. the one last thing. One last let, me, thing. let me say this. I didn't okay. hate this movie as much as I thought. However, after talking to you, I'm starting to hate it more. <laughs> I don't hate it. It just it just didn't. OK, so there are a couple of movies we've talked about recently or over the course of the last four years, really, that we've watched again and thought these stood the test of time. These really stood the test of time that I watched it as a 13-year-old kid and loved it. I watched it as a 40-year-old guy. I still loved it, maybe even more. So this may be coming off of the fact that we just watched Karate Kid. Yeah. And we talked about how much better that movie even seemed than when we watched it younger. This one, it just it didn't hit. And the pacing was slow. The jokes didn't come across. There wasn't as much of the right formula. And I almost wonder if this is a, ma a, a um, case of they dialed in the formula at episode two or three or like, you know, part two or part three better than they did in the first one. Like maybe this one, they struck a little bit of gold and thought, Hey, we might have something here. Oh yeah. And they, they made a crap ton of money. That's why it did. And so they tweaked it two or three. And to me, I'm not saying they were better movies. I get the feeling like maybe the funnier parts were in two and three. And four, I think Citizens on Patrol. I seem, yeah, I so seem to, I have, a, I have, it could be C and D, but I have a very positive connotation to that movie for some weird reason. Because this one, maybe it was just this one. I, the, the jokes kind of started, and of course they carry the same jokes throughout all of them. Yes. Uh, the same, you know, uh, um, idea, you know, Hightower and Tackleberry and all those, their caricatures throughout. Which, by but, the way, do you know both of the actors passed away? I did know that Bubba Smith had passed away. I did not know that David Graff, the guy who played Tackleberry, passed away in 2000 or 2001. He was only 50. He had a heart attack. That wow. suck. I do know that Bubba Smith. I did not know he did. Wow. Yeah, that sucks, huh? That does suck. And uh, uh, George Gaines, the guy who played uh, um, Commandant, uh, he he's still alive. And did you see how old he is? Yes, 1917. Yeah, he's, 97 he's... years old. <laughs> and of course, the thing that I couldn't get past, by the way, when I did see this these movies as a kid was that he was punky brewster's henry oh yeah and i and i actually liked that movie as a little kid that movie tv show sorry TV show. yes yeah. tv show yeah and soleil moon fry when she grew up <laughs> but that was henry on that show and it totally yeah. threw me for him to be the character as a kid you know you do that you have like certain baggage you carry it well you do it as an adult too but as a kid yeah. it's even stronger i think you're like wait a minute that's henry can't be. Yeah, and we would be remiss if we did not call out that the word that, uh, remiss. George Gaines, the word remiss. Uh, we'd be remiss. Uh, he's Finnish, actually. Oh, which, yes. Which um, how would we? Why would we we be remiss if we said that? Well, because we don't call out actors from other countries often, unless they're either from the UK or Canada. So <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to call out. Oh, well, thank goodness you did, my friend. Because our, our Scandinavian audience that uh, is Finnish. Yes. So. See, yeah. Peter, are you happy? <laughs> you proud of you proud of Jason, so uh, and 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 we truly would be remiss though, because seriously, my favorite thing about this freaking movie and probably this series, I love this theme song. I do too. I actually I to this day hum this theme song randomly, and my kids be like, "What is that?" Uh, it's Police Academy. <laughs> Especially if we're getting like ready to do something kind of upbeat. I'll go. Da, 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 Let me ask you something. Yes. Do you have stripes? Do I have it? Like own it? No, but I've seen no, it. No, the oh. music. Did you have it pulled up? No, I don't have it pulled up. Is it the same? Because it sounds it, 
I, I, it could just be that it has similar themes. Yeah. But I heard it and I thought because you you know you mentioned that it was kind of a stripes knockoff. Yeah. For some reason, the music of the two sound almost identical to me. That's funny. It, uh, it might be. I, I mean, now that you say that, but the music for Police Academy has a little bit of that uh, military. Yeah, the marching band. Band quality, yeah. 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 Sounds similar to okay, me. Okay, so. so I just want to real quick, Police Academy, 1984, Roger Ebert gave it zero stars. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Really? Yes. And he goes, okay. he starts, he starts it off with the fact that there was a movie called Airplane. Hey, see, I think his one mistake, I get where he was going, is that he thought Police Academy was meant to be a movie like Airplane, just straight up being a parody. Oh, of no, I didn't get that at all. No. And and I think, oh. I think there were touches of that because there was obviously the absurdist quality. Yeah. And, and these guys, especially Pat Proft, were in, we didn't get to go into it too much, but they were heavily involved with the Zucker brothers early on. They, you yeah, know, the screenplay. Uh, yeah, he, P, yeah he Pat Proft right, yeah. Yeah, wrote, uh, co-wrote Naked Gun, and they were involved yeah. with Police Squad, which was the TV show version of Naked Gun. So all that stuff. Yeah. But I, I disagree with it because he gets in those, so he starts off his review about, you know, once upon a time there was a movie named Airplane, which had a clever notion. And he, and he talks about how this movie was just trying to rip that off. Now, he yeah. doesn't mention Stripes at all, but to me, this movie was ripping off Stripes, is what this movie yeah. was ripping off. I think it is much more a a attempting to be a Stripes-style uh, movie, because Airplane, to me, was just from beginning to end absurd, and it puts you in that mind frame from the second you started. This one had too much reality, too much normalcy, uh, and there was just characters that were odd. Yeah, and ex- so- yeah, be- yeah exactly, because, for instance— the whole, like you said, the racial tone, like especially the moment between Harris and Hooks at the car, which had a great outcome, but it was bordered. It was on because of the character. The movie at that moment didn't feel feel mean spirited to me, but Harris did to a degree yes. that went beyond because Hooks was so sweet and cute and nice and likable. Yeah. And yeah. and and by the way, is it me or did she freaking? Are you familiar with Howard Stern show at all? Yeah, I've I've heard it before. Yeah. Okay, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Robin Quivers his. His co-host, I call her psychic, but his co-host. Was it look like hooks? Yeah, to me, they always looked. Yeah, they have they have a similar uh, just facial uh, structure. Yeah, and they just yeah, had similar look. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, but but she's so sweet, he's so nice, and then the way he's so, especially that he's mean to her. It's that yeah. he, he drops the end bomb. It was it was bad. It was bad. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, that kind of stuff. Like you said, that almost like reality. Like it was too much. It was like, I, this yeah. isn't funny. This it's is not like airplane. It yeah, did, exactly. Yeah. So I would have called this out against stripes before that. My but. favorite part of his review. It's really something. It's so bad. Maybe you should pull your money and draw straws and send one of the guys off to rent it. So that in the future, whenever you think you're sitting through a bad comedy, oh, he, you could shake, or he could shake his head and chuckle tolerantly and explain <laughs> that you don't know what bad is. Oh my god! This is the kind of movie where they'll bring a couple of characters on screen and begin to set up a joke, and then, just when you realize you can predict exactly what's going to happen, not only doesn't it happen, but nothing happens. They just cut to some different characters. (laughs) If there's anything worse than a punchline that doesn't work, it's a movie that doesn't even bother to put the punchlines in. And it just goes downhill from there. That was my little add-on. So yes, I thought that was pretty funny. The the idea yeah, That's you, funny. in the future, you, you don't know what bad is. <laughs> you don't know what bad Chuckle is. Chuckle tolerantly. <laughs> oh my friend, you don't know. Oh I've seen Police Academy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Wow, that's, uh, that's good stuff, man. That's good <laughs> damn stuff. So, so you, we are in agreement. The music is the best part. Yes, I'd have to say. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, do you want to go ahead and uh, I guess we'll, we'll we'll cue it up. I think we what is your your rating of Police Academy? Uh, I'm going to give it some points for nostalgia, so I'm not going to take it back same day. Uh, but I would have taken it back first thing the next morning. So I'm going to have to sit with a solid two. No halvesies on this one. Yeah. I, I, I initially, after watching, it was like, ah, make it like a three. Like, just go <laughs> there. But after talking to you, yeah, I'm pretty much, I, I'll give it 2.5 and split the difference. Okay. Because it wasn't a good, I didn't like it exactly. But I think like you, I liked some of the sequels and I, that's where I, my C and D lies. Yeah. That, yeah. And it was fun. some of those characters. I just really enjoyed. Like you said, hooks, Hightower, Tackleberry. Uh, I never was a huge fan. Like I said, Mahoney is eh. normally in this kind yeah. of movie, he would have been my favorite, but wasn't my favorite. So yeah, I've got to give it a 2.5. Uh, uh, all right. Slightly more, but, but not by much. Okay. <laughs> so are you ready for your movie pick then? Yes, please. So, uh, Jay, <laughs> what, what movie did you pick? All right. So you talked about Kim Cattrall and I'm sure I've picked this before. I know we've mentioned it before, but I went with 1987's PG 13 rated mannequin. Was that PG-13? Yes, it was. Really? Yep. Um, and I picked it for two reasons. One, Kim Cattrall was in it. I thought it was a funnier comedy. Now, to be fair, I have not seen it in about that as long. That movie is horrible. Sorry, uh, JV. I know you're out there somewhere. That movie is horrible. Uh, I'll have to check it because, as I remember, Andrew McCarthy was funny in it, but we'll see. Um, but I also picked it because, sadly, uh, Mishash? 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 Meshock Taylor. Yes. I apologize. Designing I never, women. I always liked him on yes. Designing Women. I, I I never knew his name, but I know him, the, the character. I know him in Designing Women uh, and also in Mannequin because he plays kind of uh, uh, Andrew McCarthy's best friend. He just passed away this past month in did June. Did he really? He did. Uh, that he sucks. Did. Uh, so I heard it on the radio. Um, and then when I was thinking about my picks and I, and I said, oh, I, Kim Cattrall, I want to do Mannequin. And then it reminded me that. Oh, and uh, G.W. Bailey, of course, was in that one, which is probably why you picked it. <laughs> Uh, yes, he was in it. Was he the, um, he was the, uh, the security, security guard, guard, right? Yep. Yeah. So he played kind of a stereotypical cop. Damn, um, you're right. So, June 28th, man, from cancer. Yeah. That sucks. Yep. That was rough. And then James Spader was in it as well. Um, and, and, and a couple other folks were, pre, you know, were pretty funny. But uh, I have, again, the biggest reason is that I have the same sense memory of feeling like this was funny. Um, As I, I did from Police Academy. Which is funny because um, I don't know if you recall Mishak's character in that movie. <clears throat> yes, I do. But, but I'm not going to insinuate that it was like a one hell of a stereotype, but. Uh, it could be, but they played that as a positive character more they than did. they he did. Was, he was a... definitely played as a positive. I guess that's, you know what, that's a good way to put it. It's like it's it, you, you, if you do something stereotypically, I think you're willing to give it a little bit of a pass if it's not mean spirited, like they're just being nasty about yes. it. like the characters played out in a positive way that's yes. less because you know there are people different people do different things act different right. ways you make it to be likable you make them to be positive they're a good person that's a little different than making it out like it's a bad thing and you know you're... like like long duck dong from 16 <laughs> candles 
totally play him okay. That's yeah, no, sorry. That actually there's that's no not, there's no way really, to spin that one. There's no way. <laughs> they hit a gong every time he comes in the room. No, that's not good. That is not good. 1984, right. same it was 84, 60 candles or 83. So it's close enough to the Early maybe something about yeah, that year. 83. <laughs> uh so anyway, 1987 mannequin. Uh nice. Yeah, that's my pick. Good, good pick. <laughs> my fine feathered haired friend. Well, used to be. Because I like wood. Uh, I mean, wood mannequins. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say that movie should have been rated NC-17 for the level of implied... Uh, 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 why, why am I brain farting? What is it when you want to have sex with dead people? <laughs> Ew! Necrophilia? Yeah, it had that vibe, dude. She wasn't dead. She was a mannequin. I know, but... It's like having a doll. I think if you go and read psychological studies, there's a, there's some print. There's she a, was real. Nobody believed him. She was real. Yeah, not not when he was... Getting splinters in it was his this pants. Movie, it was this movie and Xanadu that gave me hope as a, as a teenager. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there is so much. I feel like we should just do a separate podcast just examining that statement. Okay. My pick really has, that I could find offhand, no direct, this, I, I, this may be the first time I've done this or definitely done it in a long time, no direct connection to the movie that we did. Really? Yep. Okay. But thematically, and what it's about is very much connected. And I, I this this one's probably more C and D for me than Police Academy was. Feds, nineteen eighty-eight. Do you remember this? Is movie? that the one with uh wait, 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 I'm not looking it up. Or they they were it was the two women going yep, to yep. like FBI school and didn't have Rebecca De Mornay? Yes, it did. Oh, score. I remember that one. Yes, it. I don't remember who the yeah. other who Mary the other Gross, lady was. Mary Gross, the actress. She was okay. on Saturday Night Live and had done other. She's a funny lady, uh, but it also had Rebecca De Mornay. Did I point that out? Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. So it is about two ladies, Ellie Dewitt, ladies, two ladies who would just you know decide to go to the FBI Academy. Uh, Ooh, women. Yes. Yeah, yes. Ellie Ellie Dewitt and Janice Zuckerman. Uh, and I'm going to do my favorite, which is read the Imdba. Because it's it, this one's a little interesting. They're admitted. Nice. They're admitted <laughs> to the very like strict, the very yeah. strict FBI training academy. They get a hard course. Wow, what kind of movie is this? I gotta watch <laughs> this. In which they learn to deal with guns and to recognize crimes. They also get a physical training. I'm not kidding. This is a Period. get a physical training. <laughs> it appears that Ellie, that would be De Mornay, is a real fighting machine. This is awesome. It sounds like a porno. In contrast with Janice, the great student, they have to help each other because only when they pass all the tests, they are allowed to join the FBI. Whoever you are out there that wrote that, thank you. That actually aroused me. So, yes, it is about, I, I, again, going purely from memory because that didn't help. I'm pretty sure I know they're, I think they're both cops. And Ellie is sort of the James Caan in pretty much any movie James Conn's ever been in where she's the hard kind of brutish, uh, you know, I don't take no guff. Perfect shot. Yeah. She's a, yeah, yeah, um, that, the badass. Top, top. But, yeah. but she ends up getting teamed up with Mary Gross. He's like, oh, eh. she always, Mary Gross to me has, has like a Julie Haggerty quality. You remember the mom from yeah. uh, what about Bob? She was an airplane. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And she has that quality to her. So that's the, the gist of the movie. It's them going through the training my memory is it's a much better movie than Police Academy overall. Yeah. I don't know by how much. Probably not by much. <laughs> and it could be total C&D talking. But my pick is Feds, 1988. 
did I mention it has Rebecca DeMornay in it? And the tagline on the movie poster is sleep tight, America. These women carry guns. <laughs> so you could make the argument. See, th this is what, no, what's awesome about this movie because it's 1988. No doubt the intention was to make this very pro woman because you think about it, this, the 80s. Women had obviously going into the workforce and trying to, you know, go against the machine kind of thing. And, and they were pushing the idea of like the women doing, they could do the exact same thing as guys. And so the attention, I guarantee you behind this movie, who should be very pro woman, pro yeah. women. A lot of movies things. at the time were trying to do but that. But it's that whole like the path to hell <laughs> is paved with good intentions. So my guess is we will watch this now and be like, ooh. What am I doing in this basket? Really? Why is it so hot? <laughs> <laughs> wow, this really didn't come out the way they intended it to in hindsight. <laughs> now, maybe it does. Maybe it does. I don't know. I, I have not seen this in a really yeah, long time. Yeah, it's been time. probably pushing 20 years for me. Yeah, I do remember it vaguely. But I do remember I, liking it. I copied this one off HBO. Yeah. Ah, nice. Did you write on the label? Oh, you know, uh, yeah. You it, the... And it got its own tape. Oh, by itself? <laughs> yes, because I remember... You used to do... S P E P and L P. Yeah, I think S P was the two hour, right? E P was extended play, and L P was. I think L was L P the one where you got four hours, or was that the one you got six yep. to eight, depending on the day. I, I thought L P was six because you could. It was the lowest quality, but you could fit three yeah. movies on. Yeah, yeah, and and depending on the movies, I would do that, but I yeah. typically would do one to two movies. You know, because we were like big spenders, apparently. <laughs> and and I remember this one got its own tape because then I mentioned Rebecca De Mornay is in it. I, I'm sorry. I could never sleep in a bed with her because after watching the hand that rocks the cradle, she creeps me the hell out. I can't. Yeah, I, I don't care. I, can't. I don't care. <laughs> I can't. And, and she's it, creepy to me. It, it, don't, she's don't, beautiful. Yeah. And and still and still FYI, do not care. No. In fantasy land, <laughs> do not care. So, yes. <laughs> and, and, and I think also off HBO uh, and God created woman, a hor horrible movie, horrible movie. But also starred her and involved things like pool tables and uh, was a lot more along lines of risky business. Let me just tell you that much. <laughs> Which she was risky business too, wasn't she? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and his name was Joel in that movie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so every time she said it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Cut to 14-year-old Joel. <laughs> <laughs> she said my name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say what imply what that noise really means. No, please don't. Please, <laughs> for the love of God. Please don't. <laughs> I'm just saying that subway scene. <laughs> hey -oh. So, yes, my, my <coughs> friend who's realizing this podcast was a colossal waste of his life. <laughs> no, it's good therapy for me. Yes, it's it is. It is. Because <clears throat> I talk about things like Xanadu. And, and Police Academy. That's deep, deep stuff. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. It is deep indeed. <laughs> so would you like to hit him with some information before you go out with our final, final words? Yes. By all means, check us out uh, primarily on our website, ForgottenFlix.com. That's Flix with an X. Uh, you can find all of our shows on there all the way back to episode one, way back in the land of yore. Uh, or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and most importantly, head out to iTunes. Give us a review like our good friend Jesse did and uh, let us know what you think. But only if we're not total D-bags. Otherwise, yeah, keep your keep your opinions to yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. And speaking of reviews, did you know we got another one? No. <laughs> we actually got another review. So we we it was like a desert 
of reviews, a dearth of reviews. And then suddenly, barren, boom, two, two right in the house. planet of reviews. Yes. And we got two. Two. Yes. Thank you very much to Beowulf, who uh, loves listening to us because we discuss movies uh, he or she had almost forgotten. And apparently we have enjoyable banter. So, ha. Yes. <laughs> I believe it's a she, but if I'm wrong, I apologize. <laughs> and... Thank you for that. And of course, if any of you would like us to give you a shout out on this amazing podcast, <laughs> please leave us a review. Because that's yeah. what, 25, right? We got 25? Yeah, that's good. And you know what? The more reviews you leave, the more it uh, pushes <laughs> our show up and makes more people that's torture right. we're, through we're, this. We're, we're almost there. We're like catching up to like the Slash uh, slash Film Cast and Film Sack <laughs> with their thousand reviews. We're almost there, buddy. We're, we're so almost... close. Only four years in. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna take us 20 years yeah well you know whatever <laughs> slow and steady slow and steady <laughs> so on that note jason Onion, would you like to uh share the final word yes i can think of many 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 good reasons why you should listen to this very 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 good podcast Asshole.